Welcome to episode 107 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Dr. Kevin Maryshow. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Dr. Kevin Maryshow. Kevin, thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Daniel. I really appreciate it. We're having already a good chat right before we started recording and said, hey, let's let's hit the record button and, and save this <laughs> stuff for the recording because sometimes we get carried away and two people who are in the healthcare field and in the personal services field, maybe more and more broadly, where we can just talk for days. So we got to try, try and keep things focused. But the, you know, the people aspect of, of what we do is is so important, um, and and it's not uh, it's not a small thing to say. But Kevin, introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Dr. Kevin Marichaud, chiropractor by training. Um, I went to school in uh, well, was New York Chiropractic College. Now it's Northeast College of Health Sciences. So they rebranded. Uh, recently, I've been practicing for just over 10 years now. I work with a company called uh, MyoDetox, a movement health company right now, well, originally based in Toronto. We have clinics across Toronto, uh, Los Angeles, and Vancouver. Uh, currently for the company, I am head of purpose and communications, and you know we could get into what that, what that title means, but ultimately trying to um, continue to build purpose, soul, energy, and magic just around you know therapy, movement, health, and our ability to inspire the world to, to live a better life by, by taking care of their body and, you know, get an opportunity to really inspire our team to continue to push forward with that mission and, and touch a lot of lives along the way. Scaling humans is not an, an easy task. <laughs> and with the, with the, you know, the emergence of all this AI tools, I think the thing that some people may not realize is that, you know, to, to, copy a person's hands or the way a person speaks or that, you know, professional, uh, you know, therapeutic touch, if you will, or the feel that's not replicable. But when you try to build a company, that's exactly what you're trying to do, which is a monumental task. And so that's why what you do is so important for someone to say, what does the purpose mean? I, you know, I want you to explain a little bit more about that, but I think that that's probably a good, a good summary of trying have some finding a way to scale humans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you hit it on the head from, uh, I often have conversations. I've recently been, um, I've recently gotten on the board of trustees at Northeast College of Health Sciences. And, you know, we have a lot of conversations about the safety of the profession and chiropractic and, you know, um, manual therapy at large. And, you know, what are the threats to our space, to the future uh, of what we do? And, you know, I think you already hit it on the head, which is, I think we're safe for, for a while. It, it, when it comes to our ability to deliver value and care in, in people's lives and the ability to potentially, you know, replicate that with AI or, or robots. I think not that it's uh, a never, but I think for now, <laughs> we, I think we're safe. I think we're safe. Um, there's a level of, you know, connection and empathy and common ground that is so incredibly important to therapeutic alliance uh, that I think often gets uh, overlooked, you know, and then to answer your question on just what, what does purpose mean, not only at myodetox, but just in the world, I think that movement health is such a incredibly magical space that uh, I think there's universal languages and to me movement is one of them. I think a lot of uh, folks, not only in my space, but in the world can can resonate with the idea that uh, movement is a language that not only do does everybody generally understand, but there's also uh, a sense of you know, purpose, meaning, and desire to want to move. I think that people are often either missing the tools or are not sure if they can occupy space when it comes to movement, depending on how it was, you know, sold and packaged to them, which speaks to the other end of, you know, my title in the the space that I occupy in my detox on the communications. And, you know, you and I were talking a bit earlier on how important story is to uh, common ground and, you know, getting folks to understand uh, how they could occupy space, how they can show up and how movement health could be a strong proponent in their lives. The way that we communicate that to the world is, I think, vastly underrated. And there's so much more uh, room for us to grow in how we communicate the value that we could provide in people's lives. Thinking of movement as a universal language is, is a brilliant way of thinking of it. It's one of those things where probably the easiest example is sport. You know, everyone watches the Olympics or name your favorite sport and you might not know the rules of the sport, but you can understand that like what that person is doing is, is quite amazing, whatever the, whatever the task is. And so we can make a story about, you know, a, a little boy or a little girl in a obscure village in some random corner of the world can make it to that big stage and we can all understand what it is that we're doing and, you know, take all the inspiration and whatever you, you, you might from that. 
in your Instagram bio, you have the, the quote that says, reimagine the relationship between you and your body. And that is about telling a story to yourself. Can you talk about that and, and what that means to you? Yeah, I think that movement, health, fitness, exercise, um, all of these concepts already have strong constructs around them, whether it's from a cultural standpoint or, you know, the the media that you consume or, you know, however um, exercise, fitness, movement is occupied in somebody's life, just how that concept lives often is already predefined. And there's a huge opportunity to reimagine and, and, and redefine what movement means uh, in our lives. I think that it's kind of rabbit and pinholed right now um, around just what movement health means to movement only and uh, not enough of a conversation around what that means to mental health and community and social connection. Um, there is a vast open sea around how movement health can uh, enable somebody to live a, a healthy life. And I think today it is a bit too literal, um, not enough conversation around what movement health um, provides access uh, to folks. And there's a huge opportunity to storytell around how movement health could occupy uh, space in people's lives beyond uh, just fitness. And uh, I think access is another huge proponent to reimagination. I think that we look for an hour of time or a gym membership. And, you know, there, there's we've created barriers around um, movement health. And, you know, earlier before we hit record, we were talking about Instagram for a quick second. I think we said, you know, pause. We got to we got to bring that on to the show. But I think what was really powerful with the explosion of Instagram, yes, but just storytelling in a very um, viral, scalable uh, way. I, I know personally, you know, in my career, I could speak for myself and probably a, a lot of other folks who were sharing, you know, movement health content on Instagram in like, you know, 2013, 2014, that's when I started. I got a lot of, I got a lot of flack for, for, for doing that because, you know, we, I was essentially giving it away for free. And, you know, my mentality was there's a lot of folks that just don't have access to, to tools and knowledge and, um, I had a platform to be able to provide that for, you know, folks that I would never, you know, physically see in person. And, you know, if they don't have access to to help or to a guide to help them, you know, live a better life through movement, I had an opportunity uh, to do that. And I'm just, you know, really enamored by how the narrative and the conversation has changed about uh, sharing information and sharing education and um, inspiring people to, to move because of the, you know, the vast and profound impact it has on people's lives. It's it's sad to think that, and and I believe this to be true that fitness is a it's a luxury that we have in this world to to even have the time, the money, or the or the the problem of needing to go to the gym is a is a luxury problem. This doesn't exist in countries who are undeveloped or where where people don't have food and don't have safety and don't have shelter. Like they don't have a fitness is not an issue in their life because they have you know survival issues, right? And 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 that's horrible, obviously, but. In our in our world here in, in the West, for the most part, like fitness is a luxury. Where even here, the lower income or lower yeah, lower income people don't have the access to fitness, although they are the ones who probably suffer the most from movement inefficiencies or, or health issues overall. And there's a whole socioeconomic like conversation to be had there. But but movement is a or, or fitness is a luxury, and so trying to free that as much as possible to everyone is is again a, a huge task and i think there are some financial implications that go with that because while someone doesn't need a 200 a month gym membership and to get a massage every week and to have all the latest you know workout gear and you don't need to be spending thousands of dollars you could conceivably do it for for a zero dollar investment you still need a time investment and that's oftentimes like the most the most most expensive part of the investment aside from the from the financial aspect of it um so so trying to you know free that up and deliver the most valuable information for free is you know a big reason why why I've even started the podcast and just should get that out there and get this like these ideas out there but then we run into the issue of quality because everyone has a platform. It's great that everyone has a platform, but the problem is that everyone has a platform, and you know there there will be the the charlatans and the the people trying to to steal effectively uh, money and resources from from these people. So trying to spread things in a good way is very difficult, which again you know leads to your role with Myo Detox. Yeah. What, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to speak to the um, 
movement health and you know accessibility and the business around it and, and luxury like i think at the end of the day movement health is an experience and we all have you know different tiers and levels of of means and, and access to it and you know we at my details like we're not you know naive to the fact that we're building a business around a therapy and there's going to be accessibility and barriers uh to that you know but with that being said there is a responsibility that we have to spread the message around movement health and the access to movement health in in different ways the business of it allows us a platform and a launchpad to be able to um provide opportunities and experiences around movement health to you know communities that otherwise would not have uh access to it and you know the business allows us to do that however the business creates an opportunity for you know a very curated experience for the folks that you know have access to it but you know we're not naive to the fact that that is not the whole and there's a level of um inclusivity that is limited there and you know we want to be able to create opportunities where we can kind of get to it on 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 both ends and you know back to the idea of of movement health it is it is universal and it is something that everybody should have access to and because we've you know kind of packaged it not you know mild detox but all of the the brands in the world that have built a business around that like there is a um an inspiration and inspiring um opportunity around that also but i think it's just a matter of taking responsibility for the fact that you know us as brands we exist around uh fitness and and movement health and we have work to do to bring that to the entire world and so how do we go about spreading this and and where can people start to understand what their movement health is of course there's a lot of things and if someone's got you know an injury or something that's definitely uh prohibiting them from doing something that would be you know number one priority but assume someone's you know got no injuries and just wants to get interested in their movement and try to be on the prevention side of things where would you suggest that person starts to look or think about yeah it's a it's a great question i think that um you know the true definition of story is understanding that you're the hero of your own story and you need a guide that you can trust that you have you know common ground with there's a level of empathy there and there's a lot of incredible guides uh in the world there are um incredible brands there's incredible people and you need to find a guide that provides you with um knowledge safety security community that fills you up right and you got to really take note of the markers and the you know verticals that you want to fulfill in those experiences and just ensure that that guide is able to provide that uh for you right and then there's a matter of you know what is your own personal scenario what do you have access to right there's everything from you know whether it be Instagram YouTube and that's when you know to your point earlier a lot of people have have mics and a lot of people have platforms and you just got to do a bit more research ask questions you know get advice on you know, what platforms are uh delivering and providing you know high quality information you know creating a bit of a through line between uh art and science and appreciation for we know a lot and we can use that as a proxy for how we share information uh in the world and there's a lot we don't know so we're going to have to use you know best judgment and um you know put our best foot forward in the way that we share information so you know my advice for that person would be to find a guy find a platform that you that is trusted and i think that's why brands are being built so that um these are trusted brands that I want to provide, you know, value in the world and in somebody's lives and are telling a story around that for people to, you know, find community, community in and that guide is really who's going to take you to your goals and, you know, for us in Mild Detox we call it future proof, which is, you know, ultimately a never-ending uh journey to living a better life through, you know, sustainability. Am I going to be able to do the things I want to do tomorrow? Longevity, how long am I going to be able to do these things and an uh, interesting concept around immortality, can I add on time on the back end through the work that I'm doing today. The very interesting part to me is that there's there's room for infinite maybe not infinite but a lot of competitors in this space and it's because of the story and this concept of the guide where the person receiving the the message they have their own life experiences that has led them to that point. And so the guide brings their life experiences and my life experiences in the way that I portray the message may not be heard or received well by everyone. It may be good for some people and not good for others versus the way that you portray the message may be good for some and not good for others and so we can all fit in here because at the end of the day like the mechanics of what 
one is teaching is more or less the same, the basic elements of it. And, and you know, you've got your roundabout ways of, of getting at it, but everyone is getting at the same stuff. So this is how there's so much, you know, space for everyone. But when we say a, you know, movement health, there's not a job that is a movement health person. So at Myo Detox, you guys have a somewhat of a interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary approach. Can you just explain a little bit about what the the approach and like the kind of I guess business model of Myo Detox is and how that all works to to promote all of this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, back to story. I actually think if we were all movement health guides, it would be easier for the everyday person to understand um, what value a group of people provide in their lives. We've obviously created um, institutional constructs around the disciplines, right? Whether it be chiropractic, physical therapy, um, massage therapy, massage therapy, osteopathy, so on and so forth. Um, you know, you hit on a really interesting point earlier, which is, I think, ultimately, as professionals, when we think about movement health, and you know, it's we're not the hero, the individual who's trying to live a better life is the hero. Um, we shouldn't be married to um, interventions. It's all about outcomes. And I think, you know, if I were to talk about myodetox, I think a incredibly important uh, opportunity in the journey is in the assessment uh, and really taking the time to, you know, Daniel, if I'm working with you and you got low back pain and we're talking about that pain in particular, I need to more deeply understand what it's actually about. If it's not about the back pain, it's because you want to, you know, get back to soccer. That's your social mm -hmm. circle. That's like the thing that fills you up. Um, that's really the, the goal because without knowing the goal, if it's just about pain and you're at an eight out of 10 now, and you're down to three out of 10, if a three out of 10 enables you to play soccer at a level that makes you feel fulfilled, then that's progress. Uh, and without that goal in mind, we kind of get a bit, a bit lost. Um, you are here kind of like, you know, on a map, just that, that, that pin without that starting point, you kind of, there's so many directions that we can go and knowing at least where you're at and where you're trying to go provides a template or a platform for us to, you know, go on this journey. There's going to be a lot of, you know, ups and downs. There is no clear straight line between where you are today and your goal. And I think that's the beauty in the journey. I think there's a lot to learn from, you know, injury and pain. I was working with a, a patient actually earlier today who was uh, dealing with uh, an acute low back flare up. And that experience allowed us to get very, um, foundational with his uh, core strength and just getting this working on his sequential firing and his, you know, TA activation. And, you know, he feels now like he's skating. He's a hockey player. He feels like now he's skating at a much higher level, better than he's done in the last like five to 10 years. And I think it's the injury that created the launch pad for us to, you know, figure things out and, you know, break him down to a foundational level that we probably wouldn't have been able to do um, otherwise. Right. So I think that, you know, from assessment and really understanding uh, where somebody's at, you know, to your point earlier, it's hard to replicate how, what an assessment looks like. And I think that there is a nod and an appreciation to the fact that, you know, we'll call them these movement movement health guides uh, and myodetox in particular, you know, chiropractors, physical therapists, um, massage therapists across the world. You have, you know, manual therapy and and, and, and movement. Um, practitioners who have a lot of different ways to assess. And I think it's just a common appreciation for we need to spend time to figure out where we're going, where we're starting. Uh, and from there, there is this spectrum of, you know, manual therapy, movement, all of these inputs in order to get you to this, to this goal that you predefined at the beginning. I really just want to play soccer. Like it's actually not about my, um, my back pain. Right. The, the concept of, of the launch pad is very interesting to me, because that's kind of, you know, my, my whole life story. Like I had, you know, major knee injuries and then that got me in and out of, you know, various clinics and got me interested in the body and all that stuff from when I was, uh, you know, 12 years old or whatever it was. Um, but I feel like it's very true for a lot of people. And of course, not everyone becomes a, you know, health and fitness professional of some sort, but you're unaware of your body. Generally something happens, you get hurt and you're like, Oh, now I've got to take care of myself or it's a, it's a worse illness. And it's like, okay, now I've got to really work on my nutrition because X, Y, Z happened and I can't afford for that to happen again. Um, which is, which is disappointing, but it would be great if everyone, you know, thought that way in the, in the first place. And then we prevented all of these things, but it's very difficult. Uh, I think as a human being to try to prevent something that, you know, in your head, logically, that it's possible that you 
will experience back pain or have an injury or gain weight if you don't pay attention to what's going on. But it's very difficult to apply that to yourself if it's never happened to you because it's just not part of your story. What like it's like a a child, uh, you know, a young infant is unable to think that things will change from the way they are right now. It's like when a baby's crying, it's they're hungry. It's like, oh my God, I'll never get food again. But you know, then then they get food and they forget that they were hungry before. And it's like this whole cycle. But <laughs> as adults, we almost think that way with, uh, with our pain. And I'm sure this is a thing that you see a lot with, with patients where they come in, they, they get better, they do their rehab. And then, you know, a couple of years down the road, they forget about continuing to do their rehab and continuing to do the work. And then you see them again, you know, three, four years later, whatever it is, right? How do you what do you think is the is the solution to helping people like break that cycle and to continue to take care of themselves without that input of, of pain or injury or illness? So I think that the the way we break the cycle is through empowerment. I think that um, you know why I'm so passionate. A lot of folks at um, you know myo detox are and just you know manual therapy and movement um, practitioners around the world like. Movement health is so nuanced, which makes it really misunderstood. Um, mm. A lot of other versions of health are a lot more clear. They're not perfect, but, you know, oral health is a great example. You know, if you have something in your teeth, you use a toothpick or you floss. Um, if you have a cavity, like there's a lot more clarity as to when you have X, you do Y. The flow mm. chart is a lot more clear in the everyday person's uh, mind. You know, you can attach the same thing to like visual health. You know, if you're having... Um, issues with your vision, you have a bit of a flow chart in your mind as to what are the next steps that you should be taking. But with movement health, it's um, it's not it's not very clearly understood. As movement um, practitioners, we already have a hard enough time um, explaining it simply enough to ourselves to be able to communicate that to the world. But you know, the true break in the cycle is you know you're mentioning um, you had knee pain and. Even if it is a re-aggravation of knee pain you've had in the past, for you to have a sense of where do you go from here already is going to bring your, you know, experience of pain down because there's a level of like an internal locus of control of, you know, Kevin and I talked through this. We talked about, you know, I'm a three out of 10. I'm going to do some, you know, work loading, you know, whatever exercise we might have, we might have talked about, just like introducing movement and load early. You know, the next that you were a three out of 10 on the pain scale, the next day, after doing those exercises, you're a one, you're a two. Okay, my pain scale is going down. The work that I'm doing is creating some change. I feel like I could manage this based on the things that Kevin and I worked on. Right? This is a four out of ten pain. You're doing some stuff at home, some you know self care. It's escalating four, five, six. Um, your ability to load is is going down. Like these things are escalating to the point where I got to go back in and you know work with Kevin, reassess. Maybe it's not what we worked on the last time. Like the empowerment of knowing where to go based on what your experience is, um, is really important for people to break out of the cycle of, you know, you mentioned earlier, I did all of these things um, to get to a better ground so I can perform at a higher level. I feel good. I stopped doing them. I think that's okay. Right? I think that's okay because why somebody stopped doing them as long as they are progressing the way that they're loading their body and, you know, the, what their activity looks like, uh, that's okay. It's just when they um, re-aggravate or, or get back to a place of pain or discomfort or injury, where do they go from there and how are they going to manage that experience? To me, that's the empowerment that's going to truly break the cycle. You mentioned that you're involved with your, your former school and then, you know, in talking about the way that uh, we approach health and wellness is not very like if this, then that versus other versus some certain other aspects of, of, of health in general uh, or other industries overall. Did you feel that in school, you were somewhat taught that way as a structured approach of we try to fit things in boxes of if this, then that. If the orthopedic test shows X, then do Y treatment. But when you get out into the real world and, you know, it works in school when you have like a, a pseudo patient in front of you who's acting. And then when you get into the real world, it's like, oh, that didn't that didn't work. And now that you're on the other side of it where you're you know hiring and, and training other professionals to work under the, the Myo Detox umbrella, do you find that to be a challenge with people who are fresh out of school and haven't spent much time in the real world clinical experience or just thinking about it overall? Yeah, it's a huge challenge. Um, I think life experiences is a, is a huge um, challenge in you know, being the guide for people who are trying to accomplish their movement health goals, right? Like if we pick apart the you know, biopsychosocial model, I think that 
the bio component of uh, pain and, and injuries and high performance is already complex and complicated as it is. Like we took an entire year just picking apart anatomy, like head and neck anatomy was an entire semester, right? Like there's yeah. there's so much uh, to learn, but what let, ends up getting left on the table, um, I think that some space can be uh, created to bring the psychosocial component to health and, and movement health into the conversation uh, earlier. I think that there's a lot of work to be done to be able to bring that in um, you know, literature, like there's, there's a lot of things that would need to, that are at play here in order to introduce that, um, earlier. But I think if there was a bit more of a convergence on how the biopsychosocial model and how components outside of the biomechanical experience contribute to, uh, pain will be incredibly, uh, in, important to tie that all in. But, you know, to your point earlier on what are your, you know, clinical experiences, it, it it's, it's a tough, um, it's a tough needle to, to thread because you are not really having real life interactions until, you know, later on in your um, educational experience. But as, as that should be the case, because you need to, you know, create a, a strong baseline of knowledge and understanding before you start um, guiding and supporting people in that way. And then just like that, you're, you're into the real world, right? And people are, you know, spending, spending real money, have real choices around what health and wellness looks like to them. And, then we have to insert ourselves into their story to be able to provide value. And that concept in of itself is, um, is challenging, right? For the, you know, new grad or somebody just coming out of school. So, you know, one thing we really hang our hat on my detox is development and personal development and career development. And there's a lot of growth to be had. I'm still taking courses now, 11 years out. I just did a TMJ course the, the other day, cause there's just not only so much to learn, but so much to, um, brush up on. Uh, whether it's, you know, anatomy or um, just the entire psychology uh, of pain. There's just so much nuance that you're, we're already, we should already be forever students as is, let alone in, in, in this space, because your desire to be a student matters to the person who's putting their um, care and dreams and aspirations in your hands. Um, it's a tall order. It is a, it's a challenging job, but it is like as fulfilling as it gets to, to be somebody's guide and to, to help them get to their goals. So, you know, we really hang our hats on Mild Detox at um, speed tracking uh, that experience and the development necessary to fill these other buckets that uh, kind of bring uh, movement health as a whole and really treating the whole person. Uh, I think we come out feeling shaky at best on how we're gonna support them biomechanically, let alone how we're gonna, you know, create common ground, get, get buy-in, support compliance, understand, you know, the nuance and other challenges in, in somebody's life that um, contributes to the pain experience or the performance uh, experience. So uh, it's a tough job, but I think the, the joy and the beauty in it is it is never ending. There's so much growth uh, to be had and you're, you're really making such a powerful impact on somebody's life and inevitably the world. There's, there's few better feelings I think than when, you know, someone comes to you and says, wow, that, that really helped me be able to do, you know, this X simple task in life, be able to play with my grandkids or, you know, whatever. It's an example that I, that I go back to often, but that simple thing versus, you know, it's one thing to be like, okay, you help this Olympian win a medal. That's, that's awesome too. But it's, it's almost more powerful to help, uh, you know, an elderly woman to be able to bend down and, and tire shoes, something like that, whatever the case is, something very simple, but it does take this lifelong learning because every human is so different and no one is a textbook. Like just the way that, you know, the, the, us the or we the practitioners will not be replaced by AI and robots very shortly. Uh, humans and uh, the patients are also not uh, they're not robots, right? They're not going to be presented the exact same way and no two people are going to need the exact same treatment at the exact same time with the exact same energy and like and all of the things. So it requires this this lifelong learning and this interest in, in helping the person first and then helping their, you know, physiology and anatomy second almost is the way that I that way that I kind of like to think about it. Absolutely. What then do you do you look for? Sorry, I interrupt you real to say something. No, I was just literally stamp of approval <laughs> on everything you just said. <laughs> Thank you. I was I was just going to say what what then do you look for in uh, in new practitioners and maybe how can people think about what they should be looking for if they're experiencing some pain in in a practitioner in regards to the various fields chiropractic 
physio, massage therapy, et cetera, and, and what should they be looking for in the individual? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, you know, at Mile, we often talk about the patient experience uh, as it pertains to, there's not a lot of incredible tech in our space. So you imagine you're trying to make a decision on who you might see at a clinic and you're you're choosing through some faces and, and a bio. And those are your, um, those are the options and the clarity that you have or the information that you have to, to make a really important decision in your life. So it's a bit challenging on both ends, right? Like I might not be experienced in, I don't know, something like fencing, right? And like that is um, not familiar to me, but that is the sport in which you want to perform at a high level at. So um, not being able to have that common ground or that potentially not be in my area of expertise, like I understand movement, so I'm going to be able to help you, but I'm not going to be able to help you at the level of somebody who like really um, embodies and enjoys and invests time in understanding the nuances uh, of the sport. All right. So I think that there's a huge opportunity to quote unquote, like matchmake significantly better between um, patient and therapist, because that alone is incredibly important to the therapeutic alliance, right? To be able to have, you know, common ground, uh, there's a level of empathy, like, I'm not trying to get, I do my best to stay healthy and not get injured and perform at a high level. But like, there's a small part of me that embraces injury because there, there's common ground that I get to create there, right? Like I, I have experienced the experience of low back pain and how debilitating it can be and how impactful that is to, you know, somebody's life and to be able to meet somebody at where I've been through this. It took me X amount of time. This is what my experience was like. Um, that might not be yours, but like, I understand what you're feeling is, um, is profound. Right, that that level of empathy and common ground just creates a platform for us to um, build a relationship around, and that relationship is so incredibly important to your to your outcomes. Um, so, I think that somebody who has a thirst for knowledge, right? Like, I think we might look at somebody's bio and you know all of these credentials and all of these courses they've they've taken, and you know they invest so much clinically. Like, I wonder if they're going to be able to connect with me. I think that there's magic in their thirst for um, knowledge and growth and, and clinical development because they're trying to get better to serve you better. Um, and there's a lot of um, merit and, and, and value in that. I think whatever common ground you can predetermine in terms of that person's like life experiences, where they come from, um, I think all of that is, is important. Um, you know, for me personally, um, folks that I work with from you know, the black or the, the BIPOC community, like there is this automatic level of, of common ground, which is something that really um, fills me up, right? Like I, I have, you know, folks that are um, of African-American, African-Canadian descent who, you know, choose to work with me specifically because they feel like from an unspoken context, I, I know where they come from and I know their experiences. And, you know, there are things that they won't have to say that I'm just going to understand um, during our therapeutic experience. And I, I think that all of those uh, factors play into, you know, the therapeutic alliance, who you, you know, put your trust in and who's going to be your guide to ultimately help you chase that longevity that you're, you're in pursuit of. Yeah, it, it really does matter a lot and probably more than people really think whether they, whether they even choose people for something like that consciously or subconsciously. But part of what we, you know, what, what you, what you as practitioners do is utilizing to some extent the, the placebo effect where if a person feels like they're comfortable, they're relaxed, the, the practitioner knows what he or she is doing or they're, they're doing and you know i'm i'm going to get better based on what they're doing I, I believe in what the practitioner is saying then that treatment is more likely to work than if they feel uncomfortable or you know they don't like the the paint on the wall or like whatever something about the experience is not optimal for them and so if that's something with uh something that you can relate in the per, in the practitioner's personal life be it be it race be it sex be it sport that they played be it you know name of this high school that they went to like whatever anything that you can you can pick at that actually does play a role and this i think goes back to something i was saying earlier but there's room for everyone somebody might not like me because they don't like my beard 
And you know what? That's that's okay. And that's fine. But if my beard is impacting them from like, you know, trusting me for whatever reason, be it silly or not silly, then that's okay because they're going to go find you and they like your beard. And so now they're going to listen and they're going to, and they're going to, you know, figure out and they're going to feel comfortable and they're going to enjoy what's happening and they're going to get better. We may have done the exact same technique, but there's more to the whole story than just the, the modalities that you use or the, or the specific techniques that, that one uses. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah, not something that it's not something that can really be like you can't train that. It's just it just is what it is. And so I think probably the message there is to, to practitioners and to trainers is just just be you. Just be yourself and your people will find you and to patients and potential patients and clients and whatever. It's find the person that you think you're gonna like because you probably will. Yeah. It's it's so important. Like there's so many people doing such incredible uh, work in our space and there are you know there's a level of unconscious bias that the um, a patient's gonna come in with and you know just a level of appreciation for you know that exists spoken or or, or unspoken and um that's why diversity is just so important not only you know you mentioned race sex um but you know there's a lot of you know pieces in diversity equity and inclusion there that that contribute but you know there's also diversity of skill set clinical background uh experiences uh, all of those things matter and play a huge role in the uh, patient therapist um, alliance and and ultimately what clinical outcomes are going to look like. As far as the, the diversity of skill sets and, and professions within the healthcare or within the therapy profession, are there big buckets of, of injuries or ailments that you would typically send someone to to see a chiropractor versus a physiotherapist versus a massage therapist of course like you know all, some of the modalities are, are similar and some are different and, and everyone can treat all the all of the things but how do you go about you know putting that patient with that type of practitioner not not the the individual but like the their their title maybe yeah very um complex and nuanced question so i could speak to the experience of myo detox, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think inter interdisciplinary settings and clinics is uh, a commonly understood term. I think the next level up from that is um, intradisciplinary. And when I say that, I say like, there's if there's a strong level of collaboration within a clinical setting, then you get to take it beyond uh, physios, chiros, massage therapists specialize in XYZ. And then it's you know, Daniel, for the sake of conversation, you're, you're a physical therapist right now, like Kevin, the chiropractor, Daniel, the physical therapist, our collaboration of care is going to be more predicated on our clinical expertise, um, you know, cases that we uh, have a level of expertise and training or experiences. So for example, I am decently proficient at jaw pain and TMJ, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert because it's not a area of the body that I spend a lot of time studying. And if that is an area of the body you take a strong interest in and um, you really are building an, a clinical expertise around that, I'm going to refer based on your um, clinical resume, the things that you like treating, the things you like working on, rather than I'm a chiropractor, you're a physical therapist. So that's the benefit that we have in this intra interdisciplinary type of setting. Um, Cross collaboration, communication, case studies, all of these experiences that allow us to better understand uh, the value that one another uh, provides so that, you know, at Mario Detox, we often talk about ultimately the client is the life athlete and they, they are the pro athlete and the hero in this story. And if we can build a team around them in the same way a pro athlete would, everybody knows what value and experience everybody else is going to provide because there's that much teamwork and collaboration because this person's success matters that much to the success of an organization and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's the same space that a person occupies in their own life. This person's success means that much to their partner, their kids, their community. So they should be having a very similar experience. And if our communication around that person and, and their goals is, is tight, that is the ultimate uh, therapeutic experience, because then it's not about, you know, physio, physical therapy, chiropractic, RMT. It's about what each of us individuals can contribute to that person's experience in their pursuit of movement health. Is the ideal scenario then, and, and I'm not sure how 
feasible this would be business wise, but having a practitioner that deals with within the within the office that deals with or the clinic that deals with each of the body parts. So Kevin, you're the you're the the TMJ guy. There's someone else who is the the shoulder person. There's someone else who's the upper back, lower back, you know, whatever. Split it up however many ways you split it up, but you might need 10, 15, 20 different practitioners at that time, which gets hectic and to to deal with. But in a perfect scenario, if money was no object, would that be the ideal way to go about it? I think so. I think so. I think that there's a level of um, authority and confidence that a clinician would have over a particular case if they have decided that they are the expert in that case. Um, You know, to your mention earlier on, you know, money aside, experiences aside, like we need to be generalists to be able to serve the greatest amount of people because that mm-hmm. serves the mission, which is, you know, creating movement health as a daily habit for for everybody. But if it was about um, the like complete client centered care and it's about your experience, having an expert in a particular case, which, again, there's there's just so many cases under under the sun that somebody could walk in with that still makes it very challenging to have an expert, quote unquote, for every particular case, but if that could be the the vision or the 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 mo, I think that would be a, a, a really powerful experience for the the client. And because of that, uh, folks in our space are very aware of that, which is why I think that there's just so much work being in, being put into being good at as many um, case presentations as possible. Because there's just this space has just such passionate. Um, clinicians who really want to be an authority on on everything and it's it's life work it it never ends and i think it's because passionate folks in our space understand the value and the power of um being an expert in a lot of case presentations and being able to deliver value regardless of what what walks um through the door and that creates a bit of a utopia uh, around how we think about being the best version of ourselves as clinicians Having even just the the humbleness or the humility rather to say that, hey, you know, patient X, uh, I'm not the best person to treat you, but, you know, my colleague down the hall, that they, they got you. They're going to be good. And so I think that's where the whole inter or intradisciplinary approach, approach really shines because if I have to, refer, if, I've, if I was a practitioner and I have to refer out to a different clinic, well, the business model of that is now I lose money. And, you know, you don't want to think about that all the time, but it does matter. So you don't want to lose money. And if you want to, you know, believe the the karma of that, I'm, I'm sure it will all come back and it all comes full circle. People are getting helped, all that stuff. But like in the moment, you're losing patient, you're losing the patient. But when you send that patient to your colleague next door who is under the same company umbrella as you, now that the business case for that is better because the company is still retaining that that patient, retaining that uh, that, that source of, uh, of income, and that patient is getting the the best care that they can get. But building out the team is is really the the challenge of that. Uh, obviously, to to get all the people to to be able to do that. But that's why I believe that it that it just works so well. And I'm I don't see a future where that isn't the case for most clinics, especially in big cities like Toronto, where you have an abundance of people. If you live, you know, northern Ontario. You know, you might be the only manual practitioner for, a, a, you know, a, a quite a big radius. In that case, you're not going to have an interdisciplinary team. But in big cities, I think it's it's the only way forward. Yeah, there's huge, there's just huge value in working with a team of like-minded, uh, passionate folk. And, you know, going back to, you know, the hero of the story, the the um, client, the life athlete, the pro athlete, um, them being in an environment where there's that much communication happening around them, like, to, you know, to revisit your question earlier on, you know, what type of uh, clinician guide movement, you know, coach should a client be seeking out or a person, an individual in your, you know, audience listening to this should be seeking out, like you want somebody who's willing to pass you off because they feel like you can get better care from somebody else. Um, that in of itself, like I want that person on my team, right? Like that person needs to remain in your ecosystem because they've they've just demonstrated a value that is um, not always, you know, super common. And that value is saying that you are the hero. This is a client-centered care uh, model. I'm here completely invested in your um, success and I'm willing to pass you off to somebody else who I think would do a, a better job happily because it's about you. So... Um, that in of itself is 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 very powerful. 
building off this concept of of being the hero can you talk a little bit about uh the, one of the programs that you've co-founded called mindsets here here in the in the gta because that may be even a more you know you're, you're being the hero of, of someone else's story in that in that venture and i think from what i know about it that it's a beautiful blend of helping people's lives through fitness and so can you just discuss that and, and what it's all about and how it all came to be yeah so my um my wife has a co-worker who uh, does a lot of work with the um, jail system and mainly with youth who are in who are in remand um and she built an incredible program it's called amadeus and the original intention well still the intention but they're building on top of it now which is bringing um education uh, accredited and formalized education um to youth in remand uh, on the inside and the purpose and intention of that is to allow these youth to come out with uh, more tools to be able to, you know, demonstrate the ability to, you know, do a job, provide a service and just set them up for better success um, when they come out. From that, there was an opportunity to build on the programming through uh, health and wellness. And she reached out to me to uh, build programming for these youth and really leaning into uh, movement health and I thought it would be a miss if that was delivered to these youth without uh, a mental health and, and mind mindfulness capacity. And that's where the, the mind comes into to play in the, in the mindsets, a little bit of a playoff world words there, but we created a um, movement and mental health uh, programming piece for these youth to go through over the course of uh, eight weeks. And once they complete that, they kind of, they kind of take all of their favorite pieces of the program, put together their own, um, personal plan. Um, and then we give them feedback and it's really just a lot of encouragement and just, uh, you know, a sense of gratitude for even investing in themselves and in the value, um, of the program. And then with the program, once they complete it, they actually get credits that will, um, go towards whatever that overall program is that they're doing, uh, on the insights. So it's, it's just an incredible, uh, platform and program that, that Amity has built out. I'm just feeling incredibly blessed to be able to contribute to it. It sounds it sounds incredible, and again, like a a beautiful blend of all the things that I believe to be true about health and fitness that they can have far-reaching impacts beyond like our our, our physical body, and not to get all woo-woo on people, but beyond the physical body and really reshaping your life. If you have nothing else to to think about and nothing else to work for, but you have a a sport or a physical activity or a wellness practice or something else to just to, to aim at, to be that, you know, the, the North Star type of thing for you. And if that's the thing that gets you out of whatever it is that you're going through in your life, then that's a that's being a hero. Like that is a totally amazing thing. And so some people might react to it. I'm sure that there, there are some, uh, some kids in that program who are just like totally shut off to it because, you know, not everything serves everyone. But I'm sure that there are plenty of kids in that program who will have a total 180 turnaround and like, you know, in 20, 30, 40 years, I'm sure there'll be some of those, some of those kids who are going to be on podcasts and, and running businesses and like doing whatever they are and saying like, Hey, I was part of this program. And Kevin was, was, was the leader of it and doing my, doing his thing. And you know, that this physical aspect helped me become who I am today, which is some, you know, objective successful person. So I think it's a, I think it's a very, very, very powerful thing. Um, how can people help with that and what and what can you offer maybe after before how can people can help with it what can you offer as far as insights from that that people who are not you know youth who have been incarcerated or whatever can take from that if any so to answer your question on how people could you know support or get involved like mindsets as a program and concept is in its infant stages and it's going to continue to grow I think, you know, revisiting a conversation we had a bit earlier on, you know, the business of therapy, I think that the business of therapy allows individuals in the world who are chasing movement health to have an experience that they have the good fortune of being able to afford. And I think as, you know, clinicians and, and therapists, we now have a responsibility to take the stability and the experience that that creates for us to, to pay it forward. Um, lift that lift as we rise is a is a very powerful concept to, to me and you know a bunch of folks 
at, at Mile Detox, uh, we created a program uh, internally called the Emerging Leader Scholarship Program. And Lift As We Rise is such a, a powerful concept within that program, which is, you know, back to the business of therapy, as we um, are able to uh, create financial stability around our ability to uh, offer this experience for folks who could afford it, it's our responsibility to take that and quote unquote, again, lift as we rise and, and, and pay it forward. So I think that, you know, how folks can help is by figuring out what community that they can provide and drive and deliver value uh, in and whether that's break, ba- breaking down barriers of, of access for various reasons. There's so many, you know, different spaces and platforms and communities that therapists can get involved with. And often in those spaces, there isn't a movement health specialist. There isn't a, you know, a clinician or a therapist who is providing value in that program. And there's just so much value that can be provided just by, you know, raising your hand and deciding that this is a community that I want to support, one that I want to serve, you know, find some common ground so that it's more fulfilling just beyond I'm an expert so I can provide this. That's a a community that you actually truly care about, whether it's based on a, you know, personal experience or somebody in your family that resonates with that, with that group. That's often kind of, I think, how people find their communities. For me, it's, you know, young uh, Black and BIPOC folk who had a very similar experience to mine and didn't know how they could, you know, take up space in, in healthcare. That is, it, it means a lot to me personally. So I, I go chase and support and serve those communities. And I think that if, you know, everybody put a bit of, you know, pen to paper on what that community looks like for them, the, the community definitely exists. And, you know, raising your hand and providing value is, is the best way um, to help and to get involved. And, you know, eventually mindsets will be big enough to, to bring in more folks to contribute. But there's just so much help to be given because movement health is a concept that it just shouldn't be in its infant stage, but it is. And we got to appreciate that and continue to deliver value. Yeah, we all we all move, so we all and we all need it in, in in one way or another. I think like a almost a good way to sum up the uh, the approach from a business case is somewhat this somewhat similar to like a Robin Hood approach. Obviously, without the without the theft part of it, but it's like you're 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 making you're trading value and and help for money from people who have access to it and can't afford to do so, and then taking those resources and then putting them back into the community who can't access or can't afford it at this time. And so like I think that there's no better way to go about that because I I try to you know embody the same thing. It's like, you know, we all need money. We all need things in the in the world and like it's not cheap to live in North America and big cities like Toronto and and what have you. And you need things that you need. And but you need to help people along the way too and you know the the raising the rising tide raises all ships, right? Uh so I think that it's a it's a beautiful way to to go about it, not an easy thing to do, but certainly a fulfilling thing to do rather than just, you know, hoarding the money and like sitting there on your own like that, you know, that might be great for like five seconds. And then after that, you're like, hey, hold on a second. I can I can do better in this world where we all got into this healthcare world to you know, with big smiles on our faces and, and big hearts to go and help people. And then somewhere along the way, some people realize, hey, hold on a second, I got I to gotta make some money and they forget about helping people. So I think it's good to have organizations and structures like yours and what you guys are creating with Myo Detox that will be an example to up and coming practitioners and businesses across North America and eventually across the world as to how to lead this thing forward and also how to make money because that you know makes the best of, makes the best of both worlds and is enticing to everybody who would ever be involved. Kevin, is there any way that um, uh, is there any other message that you kind of want to leave the people with here as we as we start to wrap up? Is there anything that you feel like you need to get off your chest before we close off here today? Yeah, I, I want to just continue to really drive home just movement health, and um, I think there's way too many barriers that exist between uh, individuals and, and and movement health. And you know, as we were talking earlier, it's a universal language. I think everybody truly wants to move they want to feel good in their bodies just might not necessarily know you know where to start uh where to look for help um and i think that you know back to the earlier concept and you know what you had um mentioned on my instagram page of reimagine i think there there is an opportunity to reimagine um what movement health looks like the space that it occupies in our lives like you know i dream of a world i got two kids now my son is uh four my daughter's nine months and i dream of a world like when we're having dinner when they're i I mean i don't want to envision them already in their 20s that's way too fast (laughs) um 
but I envision a world in which like we're having dinner and we're already talking about like what's everybody's you know movement plan for the next day like are we going to work out together y'all gonna go for a run you know me and your mom are gonna go do this like because that's how I think I have a hard time going to bed if I don't know what my plan is for the next day to move I establish that almost before all else um my wife wouldn't be too happy about that because I gotta make sure the kids are <laughs> taken care of but I gotta fill up my own cup first um but I think about that, like what's happening the next day to be able to fill that that cup up. And, you know, I dream of a world in which like that same experience fills a household, a household or a community or a group of people that are constantly talking about what's on the agenda tomorrow, what's on the agenda next week, when are we doing this again? Um, and it is not a it's not it doesn't feel like work or a task. It's just ingrained in the way that we that we think. And I think the work starts now to allow the concept of movement health and how people interact with that idea to just really, you know, take up so much space that it's just a part of our everyday conversation. And, you know, what's really important in Miles we build this brand um, around movement health is, you know, social proof is just so important to um, people inhabiting an idea, which is like a lot of, you know, we often get the question, why do we expand you know, to LA and, you know, if LA says X, Y, Z around fitness or, 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 or any idea is important, the world pays attention. And we truly felt like that was a place and a launch pad for us to be able to, to give us the best shot to really get this um, mission of movement health uh, out to the world. It's a very lofty and ambitious goal. And, you know, that is part of the story and the narrative to uh, put us in the best position to be able to do that. So, you know, long story short, movement health is something I, I would love to see occupy everybody's mind, space, community. And um, it doesn't need to be scary. Uh, it doesn't need to be overwhelming. It doesn't need to be, you know, an hour at the gym, got to join a, a sports club or team. It is however you want to define it. It just needs to take up space. Yeah, it's it's that's an unbelievable goal. I, I think as a as a young trainer, I would get. I would get almost like frustrated. I think is a, is a good word. Frustrated when a when a client would come to me and it's like they they never think about going for a walk. They don't drink any water and like they don't do the bare bones like basic stuff and they don't think about exercise in any way in their day. And and even for people listening to this, like even the fact that you're listening to this means you you are already thinking about health in, in some capacity. It's not it's not starting from zero. But there are people who, and it's not their fault, it's it's the, just the way that they were brought up in the world and the, their, the things that have happened in their life that movement and exercise and health is just not part of the things that cross their mind. But if we can elevate that and going for a walk is not this monumental task anymore, then that's, it's not a small thing. And I don't say this lightly, but like that is going to change the world. So I'm 100% behind you on that. And, and w- the more minds we can, we can put this in and get these ideas out there, like the better that we're all going to be. It's, it's just going to help everyone across the board in all things. And, and I'm not sure that I can be convinced otherwise. So, so I'm, I'm happy I'm that you're you. doing these things and I'm right with you. I'm with you. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful journey trying to chase the mission of, you know, getting that out to the world, but it definitely, you know, wakes me up. It wakes a lot of people that I know of up and I get to work with on a daily basis, chasing this uh, same mission. So yeah, uh, very feeling very blessed and fulfilled to be able to, you know, chase that with like-minded people, not only at my Detox, but within, within the industry that are really passionate about the same goal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and totally agreed. Once again, Kevin, what's, uh, what's your contact info and how can people get in, get in contact with my Detox and, and with mindsets and, and all the stuff I'll put all of it in the show notes, but if you want to rattle it off here for, for people to, to get at. Yeah, absolutely. So my personal Instagram account is um, at Dr. Kev Hybrid, D-R-K-E-V underscore H-Y-B-R-I-D. Um, on my personal page, right, you know, us talking about movement health earlier and just making sure we, we, we fit it in, right? Like my personal circle will just always get at me because I'm always, I'm moving in, in everything, no matter when I, no matter what's going on, I'm always thinking about how can I get something in? And it's really just to inspire, right? Like the other day I, I shared a story um, where my son was playing in the backyard in the snow and he was not paying attention to me for a whole 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, I got to do something. <laughs> like I have a window here. I'm going to, I'm going to max out on it. It's like, it's not possible. My, you know, they wouldn't let me do that, but you know, just trying to inspire the world to just like whatever space you can take up through movement health, uh, do so. So that's a lot of what's, what's, uh, what I share on my page. Um, my detox, the main page is at my detox, M Y O D E T, uh, O X. And, you know, on that platform, constantly sharing, 
uh, information around how Mild Detox can be a guide in, in, in your life and in your journey to future proof and to, and to movement health. Um, and then our main website is www.myodetox.com. A lot about, you know, the company, uh, how folks could uh, find us. We have our, right now we're at four clinics in Toronto. We'll be at six by the end of the year. Incredible, exciting growth here in Toronto. Um, in Los Angeles, we have three. And in Vancouver, we have um, six. So that's where our clinics are. Um, but on our main page, again, an opportunity to be able to just spread and share movement health with the entire world. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, Dr. Kev underscore hybrid on Instagram, myodetox on Instagram and myodetox.com. And uh, Toronto, Vancouver, and LA. If you're in those cities, you have access to to a uh, a myodetox clinic close to you, or at least somewhat close to you. So check it out. And if not, then you know, look into the resources and see what you can take from it. Because there's almost certainly something there for you through the social media, through the website, and what have you. And, and just you know, spread, continue to spread the the message of of movement health. And I think it's a good resource for people to learn and maybe spark some ideas and spark some conversations and and grow your own community from from within. So. Kevin, thank you very much again for your time. I appreciate you. Appreciate you sharing with us today. Um, share this podcast with a, with a friend to everybody who's listening and make sure to check out Mild Detox and all the places. Again, links in the show notes. Uh, like, share, subscribe on YouTube, Instagram, uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, all the places. All that stuff helps the show grow as much as possible. Uh, give me a follow as well on Instagram if you haven't already at Daniel Yoris. And, um, and that's it. Thanks everyone for being here. Go outside. Be a good person. And we'll chat soon.